1: What is up everybody? It's The Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you. I'm Anthony Kazenza joined as always by John Sheeran and we have a special episode this evening because a special guest is with us. We will get to him in just a second. John Sheeran joining from South Carolina this time. How are you doing, buddy?
2: Yeah, I'm in Kane Anderson territory here in Hilton Head Island. As you can see, I've got a little burn on my face, but it's been nice. it's, it's been nice.
1: Burn on your face and that's that's okay. Uh where you're you're looking you're looking Healthy, you got the healthy glow going, yeah. it's all right. But as I mentioned and teased at the beginning, we have a very special guest, former Bengals defensive back, member of the 1988 Super Bowl team. You've seen him call games on CBS, you've seen him work with Pro Football Focus, and he is also now working with the Believe Podcast Network, the Believe in Bengals Podcast, a great show with another Bengals defensive back, Pac Man Jones. We have Solomon Wilcox joining us once again. It's been a couple years since he's been on the program, Mr. Wilcox. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Guys, I'm doing great, and uh, thanks for having me on. Of course. I I know you're a really busy guy. You're on the road. You mentioned you were coming from Colts camp. Want to definitely be cognizant of the time, but we want to get your take on a lot of different stuff as it pertains to the Bengals, and I'm just going to get right into it, and we'll start kind of going back into last year and kind of fast forward into into the present, I suppose. But how surprised were you at the Bengals' ascension last year to the Super Bowl? I mean, I, I figured personally they were going to be competitive, potential playoff team, we'll see. But they, uh, to me, they surprised a little bit, grew up a lot faster than I expected them to. Did you see this happening last year, or were you still thinking maybe it's a year or two away?
3: Yeah, I, I would suggest that I thought it was a year or two away. There's no doubt about that. Um, I had tremendous questions and doubts about – the offensive line, I felt it was an inadequate group for the team to have any sort of consistent um, achievement. I, I, you know, I kind of, after losses to the Jets and to the Chicago Bears, <laughs> I was like, yeah, so, <laughs> so You know, I was kicking myself and whatnot. Uh, the defense, well, um, I thought would be improved. I didn't think it would continue to just surge and grow the way that it did. And I think anytime you can beat the Chiefs twice within a span of a month and hold them to three points in the second half uh, of both games, uh, that's where the real overachievement came. And
2: I don't think anyone could have predicted that part of it. Yeah, so then we get to free agency, and everyone knows that they're going to address the offensive line. And they did that with their free agency signings. Then they get to the draft, and a lot of people believe that they would take a cornerback early, but not many people pegged them to pick three defensive backs within the first five rounds, including two within the first couple of them. Were you surprised by that approach? And does it fit like where you saw that defense trending in terms of where they needed help?
3: No, I I thought that's exactly where they needed help. And not only that, uh, you needed players who could be multiple in terms of playing multiple positions that would be highly flexible, particularly in the sub packages, the nickel, the dime, um, I, I felt we needed a younger corner in our group to develop after addressing that area of free agency in multiple years with Trey Wayans, Eli Apple, Jadobia Woozie, um, McKenzie Alexander. I thought it's time to draft and groom one, so Cameron Taylor-Britt was that, um, and obviously Daxio at the back end of the first round I thought was a huge get because of his versatility. Tyson Anderson is a bigger body guy, but still multiple uh, in terms of the positions that he can play. But all three guys clocked a sub 4 4 in the range of 4 3 at the NFL scouting combine. So while we added versatility, we were also able to add speed to the back end. And the way that the Super Bowl ended, giving up the game winning drive, um, you know, I, I felt like we could get better on the back end in our secondary.
1: Well, I had a feeling you'd probably be pretty psyched about a handful of defensive backs being <laughs> being picked by your old team there. Talking with Solomon Wilcox, former Bengals defensive back, member of the 1988 Super Bowl team, current host of the Believe in Bengals podcast with Pac Man Jones. Of course, you've heard his Emmy Award winning voice calling NFL games and has been around the game for a long time. And in that vein, Solomon, I want to get your take on the Jesse Bates situation. I think we all. Kind of saw this coming, but I'd really like to get your perspective as a former NFL defensive back. And you've been on the other side of the table calling games and and all of that. I just kind of want to get your perspective on the Jesse Bates holdout. And and do you see this thing really bleeding into the regular season or do you see him showing up when when it's really when the games really count and it's time to go?
3: you know uh yeah according to the collective bargaining agreement he's well within his rights to sit out of camp um in order to um maximize his opportunity to inherit uh, to inherit the benefits of you know having the franchise that placed on him as long as he shows up for game 1 um he can show up for week 1 and uh, after week 1 that entire contract is gar- is guaranteed to him mm-hmm. So I, I think he's going to do that. I think he's still trying to negotiate a deal. I think the Bengals are wanting to get a deal done. Um, but uh, they haven't been able to reach it. So he decides he's going to sit out of training camp. Obviously, he doesn't want to get hurt. Even if he was here, <laughs> the Bengals wouldn't play him in the preseason anyway, right? Right. right. So I, I think it's it's kind of a stalemate. It's unfortunate. And now that the deal, Darren James uh, just received... Um, you know, the highest uh, contract ever paid to a, a safety in NFL history, you should know that Derwin James and Jesse Bates have the same agent. So, yeah, uh, yeah it, it, I think it's foreshadowing the things to come. We may be watching Jesse Bates, unfortunately, in the last year uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals.
2: Yeah, and Bates was like, you know, he, uh, he, Bates was like us watching the preseason game kind of in the booth. He was in a l- little bit better seat. I think a lot of us, but he was just watching that game. But there were a lot of other Bengals players that were playing in it. Just watching that first preseason game, what were your takeaways from the guys that were maybe competing for those roster spots? You had Jackson Carmen and Cordo Volson kind of battling out at left guard. Were there any players kind of on the back end of the roster that kind of caught your eye with, the, with that first preseason game?
3: Oh, yeah, Kendrick Pryor, man. I mean, he yeah. was, was incredible. You love the way he carried himself and the way he made plays. Um, they had a couple of the young receivers I thought really played well. I, you had to be impressed with Dax Hill. The game did not appear to be too big for him. Same with the rookie, Cordell Volson. I thought he uh, acquitted himself very well, showing that. I think he, I think Jackson Commons in a real battle um, if he's going to try to win the starting job at that left guard position. I, I think Cordell Volson is smart. He's tough. He's physical. Um, I like what he brings. He seems to love the game. It wasn't too big for him, but I can tell you guys, the real standout rookie is Zachary Carter. Mm. Pay attention to him now. The guy is phenomenal. We need uh, greater depth in terms of the rotation on our defensive line. I thought it was a huge selection uh, by Duke Tobin and the Cincinnati Bengals. I think this guy is going to be a a good player for a very long time, and uh, he's going to exceed expectations. I think he's already caught the coach's eye, that's for sure.
1: Talking with Solomon Wilcox, one of the hosts of the Believe in Bengals podcast, part of the Believe podcast network. He hosts that with Adam Pacman Jones, a great show, and we're grateful for his time joining us here on the Orange and Black Insider. Uh, Solomon, obviously preseason's a little different now, abbreviated now that they eliminated one of the games – you mentioned that the teams aren't really starting many of their starters, if if really any at all. Um, you know, we we saw a lot of backups and fringe roster guys in, in the first game, probably a lot of the same in the second. But I mean, are the goals still the same from an evaluation standpoint in your eyes and coaching standpoint? I mean, is, is it going to be a little bit of a carbon copy this week against the Giants? Or do you see a little bit of tweaks here and there and, and some different goals for the team in preseason week two? No, I think it's going to be exactly what you saw week one. <laughs> <laughs> you're, going
3: to, you're, you're, you're going to see all the backup guys, all the rookies. I mean, those guys that I just mentioned and the position battles that you have, I think those are the ones to pay attention to. And that's Jackson Carmen and Cordell Bolson. I think uh is still going to get a lot of playing time um, because they need him to – play multiple positions and line up in different places. Then they're going to get him out of there. Cameron Taylor Britt, as you know, dealing with the core injury, unfortunately, but that's going to open up doors for other guys. I I think Trey Flowers is still a, to me, a Swiss army knife. That when you go up against the real big athletic tight ends in our league, he is the guy that sort of separates himself from everybody else. He's part safety, part corner, but he's a bigger more rangy corner than all the other guys who still has excellent speed to run with a Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey. Uh, I just, I really like him. So I'm sure they're going to want to see more from him as well, as well as some of these other young uh, receivers. Trent Taylor is a guy that I still think there's a future for him with this football team Mm. as our second slot guy. If something happened to Tyler Boyd. So that's what you're going to see. And remember, we have a week coming up where they're going to have a joint session with the Rams. That's where the veterans are going to get the lion's share of their work. And I don't think many of them, the uh, Jamar Chases, the Joe Burrows, the T. Higgins, I don't think
2: you're even going to see them touch the field in many of these preseason games. Well, speaking of Burrow and Higgins, they have something in common with you, Mr. Wilcots, and that they started a Super Bowl in their second year in the NFL, so not many people know what it's like to kind of achieve that success so early in your career. Just for the Bengals in general, they're a very young team, very much on the rise, but they achieved that level of success, and now they have to start kind of over again from square one as soon as the preseason ends. What in your mind kind of went through your mind when you went through the 1989 season to try to replicate that success, and what, what does it take for that team to kind of restart, hit the restart button, and kind of build back up to where they were uh, six months ago?
3: You know, I think what you do is you understand that the process um, and and all the hard work, it it really pays off for you. All it does, it validates what's required to win and do well. The only thing that you need to understand from there is just to remember what it took and be willing to pay the price. Um, You you know, I said this last year. um, If you take a look at a Joe Mixon, a Joe Burrow, a Jamar Chase, a T. Higgins, Okay, even Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd played at Pitt with guys like Aaron Donald. Okay, you know, these guys came from programs that won. They were, they're used to winning. They don't care about what the Bengals did in the 90s or maybe what happened maybe a few years prior to their arrival. These guys are used to winning. And that's kind of how I felt when I got here, having come from University of Colorado, where we had just turned the program around. mm mm-hmm and then a couple of years later win a national championship. Listen, man, what, you get a taste of winning. That's all you want. And you'll, you'll do anything to keep it going. And so I, that's what I anticipate from this group. They, you know, even for some of the guys who had been here prior to the arrival of Joe Burrow, these guys, they don't want to go back to that. They want to, they want to keep this thing going. You heard Burrow say it last year. Get used to this because we're going to be doing this every single year. That tells you. He wasn't even enamored by the first playoff win in three decades. He's like, look, we're going to be doing this for quite some time. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, before we get your thoughts on on kind of an expansion on that and where the Bengals may be headed this year, what they need to do to maybe repeat and maybe even beyond AFC, you know, repeating as AFC champs, uh, I just want to get your thoughts on the news that we received on Wednesday about Ken Riley as one of the finalists to the Hall of Fame. Uh, He retired a few years before you joined the Bengals, but I'm sure you have had the pleasure of meeting him before he passed away. And you know a lot about him and his history with the team. Finally looking like, I mean, there's still another step to go here, but finally looking like he will get his rightful place in Canton. Uh, Your thoughts on that, being a fellow defensive back, probably knowing him and probably having met him uh, in your lifetime. Obviously a great guy and a great football player.
3: Oh, my goodness, look. um, This is a guy that, you know, his nickname was the Rattler. (laughs) That's what Dick LeBeau used to always call him. He was a guy that we all looked up to, aspired to be. He set the lineage. Um, He was the first great shutdown corner in Cincinnati Bengals history. Um, I think the number of interceptions, um, 63, I think it is. Um, uh, for the career. uh, Very few people have have gotten more. Uh, And if you look at it, on the Hall of Fame list, uh, there are seven guys, I think, that are, even on the interception list, seven guys ahead of them are are all in the Hall of Fame. The next seven guys behind them are all in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. He's the only one in that top 15 who isn't in the Hall of Fame. (laughs) And, And no one can explain why. No one can... This is the same thing that Kenny, um, you know, that Ken Anderson suffers from, right? For whatever reason, you know, we're not a big market team, but the Cincinnati Bengals had early success under Paul Brown when he came in. Everybody knows about Bill Walsh and the legacy that he built here. Dick LeBeau, the zone blitz started here. The West Coast offense started here. Mm -hmm. Paul Brown, great. For whatever reason, the lack of Super Bowl titles and maybe playing in a division with that like Pittsburgh's won so many, for whatever reason, it's it, the great players, right, have been overlooked. They only mm-hmm. have Anthony Munoz in, rightfully so. He should be in there. Uh, but I, I think it's a program and an organization that has been overlooked. And because they're writers who get to vote, if they didn't cover the team or if they haven't covered the team back during periods of time where the great players flourished, they tend to be lost to history, and that's
1: very unfortunate. Well, Solomon, before we hear about your uh, show and where to get it in uh, just a second here, what what do the Bengals need to do to repeat? Because they are they're now in a little bit of a different position than usual. They're usually the ones trying to keep up with the Joneses, but this year they are the Joneses, and all the AFC teams have kind of tried to emulate what they did and and uh, you know fight against what their roster, how their roster is built, and all of that. You mentioned how it is tough to repeat as AFC champions get back to the Super Bowl and win it. Uh, I guess your thoughts on where, you know, where this team's headed this year. I think a lot of people believe they'll be back in it, but it's not as easy as we all think it could, can be even with the roster looking as it does. You know, last year wasn't
3: easy, right? I mean, here you go. We, we were, we lost two straight home games. Um, and then fell to 7-6. and A season could have went anywhere after losing back-to-back home games to the Chargers and then the 49ers. And, I mean, these games are hard to win. We lost games to two teams that the Jets mm-hmm. and the Bears. Yep.
1: Right?
3: Uh, but then we beat the Denver Broncos and then you beat the Kansas City Chiefs and, you know, next thing you know and the Raiders and now we're looking a whole lot different. So, I think the real key is, even for the fans to understand, winning in this league is hard. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be easy. These games are going to come down to the final moments. The kicks by Evan McPherson, every single one of them are going to be needed, just like they were last year. The the margins in our league are razor thin. And you just got to keep stacking those moments late in games to close it out. Against no matter who you're playing, I don't care what the record is. It's gonna be a dogfight. I don't care how, how bad they are, how good they are. Um, it's gonna be a dogfight, and that's what you have to anticipate. And you, and when some uh, lose, if you lose some and some slip away, you got to continue to believe in yourself and maintain confidence in your ability to go get it done. And I think the fans are gonna have to maintain some confidence in this team and not get down on them if they have a moment or a game yeah. or a stretch of a couple of games where it doesn't turn out our
1: way. Well, I can tell why you are an Emmy winner, Emmy winner Solomon, because you use the word believe. And that is a great segue as we get you out of here, because you are one of the hosts on the believe in Bengals podcast with Pac-Man Jones and some exciting news with that. It's going to be airing on Bally sports. Ohio this year is the, is the rumor here. So Aside from finding it there, where else can you find the program? What do you got going ahead? And uh, we've we've long worked with Cam and the others at the Believe Network, and we've had great experiences working with him and them and all of the special guests. So what do you guys got going on, and where can they find the show? Yeah, we have a great staff at, at the Believe uh, Podcast
3: Network. All you have to do is go to Believe.com, B-O-E-A-V.com, or wherever you get your podcast. Whether it's Apple or Spotify, you can also catch us across YouTube, um, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, we're going to have fun this season. Um, we're going into our second year of the Believe in Bingo podcast. Um, it's also, as you said, it's going to be simulcast. Going to air on Valley Sports Ohio Channel forty-three twice a week. Ooh. How about that on Tuesdays and Thursdays? And so Adam Pacman Jones and I, we get we're going to have great guests going to get the players on, going to get the coaches on uh, to kind of keep you up to date on what's happening with the Bengals throughout the season. And we hope that we're going to go uh, all the way uh, to the Super Bowl in Phoenix, Arizona. So uh, we believe that the Believe in Bengal podcast is the go-to place for all of your Bengals coverage.
1: Well, we appreciate it, Solomon. Uh, had, had an opportunity to spend a little time with your co-host at the NFL Draft, and that was awesome, and this is awesome having you on the show. I told you this the last time you were on our show a couple of years ago. My brother was number 41 in high school because of you uh, on his football team. You were, you were his guy, and uh, we can't thank you enough for joining us and giving us some time. Take care. I know you've been on the road. Appreciate your time, and we'll talk soon. Well, thanks for having me. And tell your brother, said, keep up the face." <laughs> Take care, Mr. Wilcox. Appreciate it. Bye. Uh that's awesome, Solomon Wilcox. I, I'm telling you, that was that was my brother's guy, man. That was my brother's guy in in high school. He still. Uh, the first time we had him on, he was like, "Dude, you got t- you got tell him." I'm like, "Dude, I'm not telling him that. I'm not telling him <laughs> Jersey. Good God!" But I did then, and I did now. So that's for you there Brandon. That's uh I had to had to throw that in there. But good stuff from him man. I, I uh, you you are ingrained in the Believe Network there John and they do a lot of great great work. We had Ike Taylor and Mark Bergen on earlier, a lot of them during, you know, a lot of different guests. Joe Valerio was an awesome one. Mm. Uh during, you know, the AFC Championship. So thank you to Cam Rogers, the Believe Network. You got to go check out what they do. Um, great stuff. And of course, John's show with DNH, Daddy O and Hoji. Do, they do a great job as well? Bridget uh also does a lot of stuff with that show there, too. So you gotta check that out. But our thanks to Solomon Wilcott's one of our favorites. I always I always enjoyed hearing him on uh the CBS broadcast, man. That was always a voice where I'm like, man, you know, and they always seemed to be those Browns Bengals games, the Carson Paul yeah, sure. Browns Bengals games. It was always those <laughs> games, it would seem, but uh it was a pleasure having him on. I know he's he's you know pretty tired being bounced around a little bit going around to training camps and whatnot but uh we appreciate his time
2: one of the best dressed in the business too when when he was last on with us in the puppets like you know he was just in his backyard but like he was looked so sophisticated like he was well overdressed for the quality of show (laughs) that we put on for him but yeah like like we, we started the our our podcast on Believe. I don't know why Believe invited this in the first place, but like, hey, if these two puppets and this dude can make it work, then surely Solomon Wilcox and Adam freaking Pac-Man Jones can make it work. Now Pac-Man's going to be on TV two times a week. I'm definitely checking that out.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Pac-Man, he, he's not a bad dresser either. In Vegas, he, no, was, he, was, uh, he was dressed to the nines as well, man. He was, he was decked out. Well, Uh, Thanks again to Cam Rogers at the Believe Network and of course to Solomon Wilcox for joining us. Always a pleasure hearing from him and hopefully we can get him on again soon, especially if the Bengals are doing similarly well this next season. And it seems like we're all kind of thinking that they will, but we'll, we'll see what happens more on that. And again, this is the orange and black insider Bengals podcast, part of the Cincy jungle podcast network. You can get this show. You can get coach speak and chalk talk by the way, really cool episode. Uh, From Matt Minnick, bringing in our old buddy Zim Hude last week on that. You can get that show. Bengal Jim, for those who expected to see this show uh, on a live stream, we're letting Jim and the boys have uh, a little bit of the limelight. We didn't want to step on toes with the live show there. They have a lot of special guests this week, as they have since they have joined our network over the past month, month and a half. So Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends, now part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network, as well as uh, our show and Coach Speak and Chalk Talk. You can get it on your favorite audio streamer, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So go check that out. And, of course, our show and the rest of them, we kind of run our YouTube channels a little independently. So you want to go find those, subscribe, and click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available, and all of that. So uh, we appreciate all the support there.
0: Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry.
4: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.
1: Let's get to a little news and notes before we kind of break down a little bit of the Cardinals game, I guess, as much as you can with a week one preseason game. And then we'll talk a little bit about the next game. But uh, as I mentioned in the interview with Solomon, Ken Riley now making that step. Basically, you would think that he is essentially in the Hall of Fame at this point. Um, makes the, the final three uh, of the of the breakdown there. And I know his family is psyched. We, we spoke to his son last year, really about this time of, of year, uh, because of the Ring of Honor thing. And what I, what I think is noteworthy, some people have pointed it out. I noticed it on the tweet from the Pro Football Hall of Fame, John it specifically mentions Bengals ring of honor as his credentials to moving forward in the hall of fame. I found that to be very poignant. I found that to be something that stands out and say, you know, where we say, wow, that thing has an impact. We, we, we thought it could, we thought it would, but that seems to point directly to that endeavor making an impact in
2: this, in this manner for a guy like Ken Riley. Hopefully it's making up for the fact that they didn't include him in the post mortem. Oh god. Uh, yeah. years ago. So oh. whatever whatever they can do, they definitely should. I will say with with Riley, so he I don't believe he made a Pro Bowl, and I believe he made like one all pro and obviously he had the 65 interceptions. So I do I do feel like it, it was like the Hall of Fame kind of going down the list of like whatever accolades, what whatever common accolades people use when um, promoting or like, like the resume of some of these hall of fame hopefuls. So it was definitely cool to see like that being listed on there, especially because it's, it's pretty brand new, I guess as well. And yeah, like, and I believe that was something that was mentioned, um, a few years ago, like when, when Riley was in the conversation and when he was being neglected from the hall of fame, like, well, if the team doesn't even want to honor him, then why should the hall of fame honor him? So just to see, I think, Mike Brown's reaction, like his genuine um, enjoyment and joy of this news. I, I think in, in his mind, like the whole Ring of Honor endeavor was definitely worth it just to get these guys the proper recognition that they deserve. Because whether or not Ken Riley ends up in the Hall of Fame, he's still one of the best players of his era, it's especially at that position to record that many that many interceptions. I, I do want to eventually talk to some people who watched him and played with him during that time to go beyond just the interceptions because the interceptions get talked about like a ton, but there was so much more to his game that I feel like we don't talk about enough or we don't really know about enough. And I think as this process continues and when the nominations, the final nominations are announced, I think we'll learn a lot more about the life and the career of Ken Riley. And this is, like you said, just a phenomenal next step in that process because even if he isn't the the final, the, the one senior Um, selection this year being a finalist at all definitely points towards like him getting in, in in the near future
1: right and so here is the quote from Mike Brown which I think we I was kind of waiting for I was wondering what he was going to say here very classy from Mike Brown Bengals president of course this is long deserved I mean just four words to start the Start the the, the quote here. This is long deserved. It is unfortunate. Kenny is gone because we know how much he would have appreciated this. His family is surely pleased at this news. Kenny was a splendid player and still holds the Bengals record for most interceptions over a career. You heard Solomon say it. He's one of the top. uh, I think he's what top four top top six uh, all time. It would be a wonderful thing if he were selected for the Hall of Fame. And not only would it be a wonderful thing for the team and, not you know, having someone else in there as a majority bangle aside from Anthony Munoz. But I didn't know Ken Riley Sr. I know his son. His son was one of the most pleasant people we've, I've encountered and really had on this show um, I know what this means to his family. And so, yeah, I mean, this is it, it would mean a lot for the Bengals and football and all that kind of stuff. But it would mean a lot to the Riley family. And I think that pulls on the heartstrings for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, he meant a lot to the the, the Florida region where where he lived and grew up and played college. And I think the work that they do now with the Ken Riley Foundation is phenomenal as well. And you can definitely listen to our interview with Ken Riley the second last year around this time when the Ring of Honor was announced with him being an inaugural member. And, you know, beyond the fact that he unfortunately passed away a couple years ago, like Bengals fans of all ages still recognize him as one of the greatest players to ever play for this franchise. And I think Mike is definitely on the money, like for him to have played in the 70s and still be kind of put out of this conversation when it comes to Hall of Fame. He never even made it remotely close to this part of the process. And the fact that you now have not two, but three senior finalists highlighted for the next few years that definitely helps out guys like Riley and there's plenty more Ken Riley's out there for the 31 other teams who have always been neglected from the spotlight and and this initiative or legislation that the Hall of Fame has enacted definitely helps those guys get into the spotlight
1: absolutely and it just goes back to also I mean what a what a defensive back duo cornerback duo the Bengals had back then with Ken Riley and Lamar Parrish I mean good lord just guys that could just make plays left and right, but with this news, John comes the news, uh, unfortunately, that one of our other favorites on this show, Can Anderson, does not move on. Um, you know, it, it was on that short list. I think it was what of ten or twelve uh, that that moved to this group of three. You had two Bengals on there, so you felt good that at least one was going to go there. Um, you know, I, I didn't really have, uh, you know, a, a, a you know an idea or an inkling of. You know who who would go over the other? I felt that one of them would go. Ken Anderson did not. Of course, classy as always. Ken Anderson, you know, praising his his former teammate and and the family, the Riley family um, it, with this news. But kind of a bittersweet moment a little bit with Ken Anderson not moving on. Hopefully his day comes though soon.
4: yeah, and
2: I think I'm not gonna say that Ken Anderson doesn't care, but he definitely doesn't come off as someone who like you know, is on pins and needles. For that announcement if it comes it comes and i think that's kind of how he kind of takes it but I, I i do know that like he and everyone else who played or known uh, ken is truly happy about yeah. this news and just feels great for his memory and his family and, and just his legacy and i think that definitely trumps the, the fact that uh ken anderson has to wait at least one more year
1: that's that's true. That is true. But um, yeah. So Ken and, uh, Ken Riley, moving on, basically looking like if in the off chance for some reason he does not get in this next year in twenty three, um, that he will continue to to march forward here. But let's let's hope that this is you know that one big step towards the end here that gets him into the Hall of Fame. Uh, just quickly before we talk about both games here, the Bengals did get a player on the top 100 list to start yeah. this on the NFL top 100 list, and that is Trey Hendrickson coming in at 78, John. Too high, too low, expected. Um, do you care because this is such an arbitrary <laughs> list? I mean, you've seen some of the ballots that, that come out of this thing, and you're going, What? Uh, but uh, I mean, I Trey Hendrickson for what he did last year. And a lot of people thought during free agency, when he came over here, this was, this was not a, uh, this was at best, a lateral move from Carl Lawson. He was not going to replicate what he did with the saints. And it was a lot of effort plays and, or just coverage sacks. And he wasn't going to get the same here. Well, he was a major force for this Bengals defense and the team's success. So, 78, too high, too low for you, just right? What do you think?
2: Well, he was 73, I want to say, in last year's list when he first popped awesome. off with, with the Saints. And I think the, the fact that he had that many sacks, like players look, I think, at those basic uh, statistics when just when they look around the league. And they also, you know, they watch film at, at their specific position. So if a guy like Hendrickson is kind of making his name known and, and getting a lot of sacks, then initially, yeah, he's going to pop up on those ballots, which is why he was 73. And I think there were a lot. There was confusion. I, I think with the fact that he had like an, an even better year, and he made like a run to the Super Bowl, and he was dominant during the postseason. I think people were confused at the fact that he wasn't necessarily higher. But you got to remember, like the players, like their job isn't to evaluate other players. Like they just see him having a similar year to the one that he had last year. They're like, yeah, this guy's still that dude. So they're probably going to place him in the same parts of their ballot that they did last year which is why i think he got basically the exact same record just a little bit lower you, you gotta remember like these players again like they're 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 just doing their jobs as as players and just focusing on themselves and their teammates and whatnot and when they're putting together this this ballot it's it's i think for the most part like they're friends they're just guys who play similar positions or just the very very best at some of those positions that everyone knows and i don't think anyone is going to put hendrickson over the likes of Miles Garrett or TJ Watt or the Bosa brothers or or those guys. And those guys deserve to be higher than Henderson and on the list as well. So it doesn't really shock me that Henderson didn't really jump on the list, but it it doesn't surprise me that he was on the list anyways, because when we talked about this about a month ago, we we both kind of agreed that he was going to find the list and be one of the handful of Bengals too. So it, I think it, it fits about right considering how this list gets put together. Cause it's not, it's not put together by people who whose job is to watch football. It's put together by people who just play the game.
1: Right. Uh, you know, I, I think he deserves maybe to be a little bit higher on this list. I mean, you mentioned a lot of names, obviously that goes up there, but um, you know, I'm not surprised where he landed. I, I just felt what he meant to this team last year. And the addition that he was, was, unbelievable just stepping in and oh let me just get you double digit sacks this year right. and i mean it's just it's like oh wow and it just goes with again the trend of the Bengals hitting on for the vast majority of their big free agent signings and then of course hitting on a lot of their high draft picks in recent years as well in big ways and so it you know it pays off there but you know obviously the the star skill position guys for the Bengals, burrow chase etc will probably be higher 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 up this list um and and maybe even higher than we expect we'll see but uh, more to come here on the nfl top 100 but trey hendrickson is on that list and we'll break it down a little bit more as more Bengals inevitably fall on that list all right let's talk about the Bengals' loss to the cardinals um you know again wins losses it's not it's hard, weird to say, especially in professional sports, but not really a way you gauge things this time of year. You gauge development. You gauge, um, you know, how fast some of the rookies and whatnot are, are catching up to game speed and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, there are a lot of different things you you want to see, how these fringe roster guys react to competition, who steps up, who doesn't, all of that. Um, but there, there were some concerning points to this team there were some bright spots overall impressions I know Solomon Wilcotts talked about Kendrick Pryor that was definitely one of the bright spots this week but um you know your your overall impressions are you just kind of shrugging your shoulders are you worried about some of the depth and whatnot or are you kind of just you know hey I, I think I think they're okay
2: well I don't think they're great with, with what they showed but that's kind of to be expected when you have two teams with backups playing against one another. ultimately one team is going to look a little bit better. And I feel like when it comes to the Bengals in the preseason, no matter what the state of their offensive line is, they're just usually out of flux. And that was definitely the case um, th- th- this past week against the Cardinals. You had, you know, a bunch of rookies starting an offensive line. And the one guy who played last year, played significant snaps last year, Unfortunately, look looked like the worst one. And there's been a lot of talk about Jackson Carmen. I, I think the extent of his badness is a tiny bit overblown, mm-hmm. p- partly because, Anthony, the bad plays were just horrendous. And oh. they, were, they were plays That's that like – That was last
1: year too, right? I mean,
2: exactly, the bad yeah. plays were absolutely awful. Like, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. Like, he played, I don't know, like 30, 40 snaps at least five of them were just, like, non-NFL plays, like, maybe, like, high school quality. The rest wasn't terrible, but it's, like, those bad plays, it, they just can't happen at that stage, especially after weeks and even months of talk about how there's been these jumps and progressions and, you know, him understanding, like, the, the, the processing part, right? Because the, the strength, the play strength, the physicality, like, He's one of the big, one of the more bigger guys out there, and he's got movement ability. And you saw that on some of these run plays. And I, I don't think he was that bad in terms of run blocking for the most part. But again, the, the bad plays, like the, the really negative plays, they, they just they stand out like a sore thumb. And they, they stick in fans' minds. They stick in players' minds watching the tape. And they absolutely stick in the coach's mind. And it was crazy, though, because th- this was deemed as like a competition throughout – training camp but never once did volson at Cordo volson ever take first team reps we didn't hear about him splitting reps of jackson carmen it was all jackson carmen up to this point so he had all the reps he had all the practice time he had all the praise coming from frank pollock who doesn't normally give out like unwarranted praise and he just unfortunately crapped the bed for like more snaps than you can count or more snaps than you would like to see so that definitely stood out the offense line in general just it wasn't great. Like, Trey Hill played all right. I think Ben Brown and Volson himself, they played pretty well, too. But a- anyone who did play well on the offensive line, it was all relative to Carmen. So, the bar was already, you know, beneath the ground. So, they just barely had to do anything to look decent. But there's definitely room to grow there. And that's definitely where everyone was going to look first because it was such a topic of a conversation.
1: Yeah. And he was, what, the only starter playing. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, the, the spotlight shines bright there. And then, obviously – with Vols in there. I mean, aside from what I said about the seeing those similarly, just, uh, I mean, there, there's good plays. And then there are just unbelievably bad plays. Um, that was a, a thing. And you, you kind of shrugged it off a little bit. Well, he's young and he's a rookie and all this kind of stuff and back surgery. So I guess that's part of what makes this kind of disheartening. And that's where you want to see, there's going to be, an occasional bad play from even the best player. I mean, that's just, it's human nature. It's just how it goes. Um, And it's professional sports, but I mean, at the same time, you just need to see that growth and development. And we heard about it from Frank Pollock and we heard about how things are looking up. And that is the one major question mark. I mean, obviously we have yet to really see Kappa Collins, Karras in game action, but that is the one real question mark on this offensive line and then when you see Volson come in and play well and use better technique and everything, um, you know, it, it just kind of raises your eyebrows a little bit. Now, Volson came in afterward. And so he's playing, you know, against guys that are further and further down the depth chart than is Carmen. But the bottom line is the guys going up against Carmen in all likelihood aren't as good as what he would see as a starter in regular season games uh, in the, you know, in the regular season. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a little cause for concern, that is for sure. It It is a little bit, I guess, relieving to see that Volson is stepping up in the way that he did, but that's kind of obviously where the biggest spotlight was there. I know you love talking about this player, Thaddeus Moss. There were a couple of catches that he made and nice, nice plays that he made in the receiving game, but two killer penalties that negated big plays on holds, and so that obviously has to go into that, and so he's got to show a little bit more in a weak position group too.
2: I'll tell you what, Chris Evans was listed as one of the betting favorites to date Kim Kardashian as, as uh, her next boyfriend because they mixed up like with the actor Chris Evans. So somehow the Bengals Chris Evans ended up with betting odds to date Kim Kardashian. In the first game that this happens, Chris Evans pops off for a 60-yard touchdown and has another touchdown, and Thaddeus Moss gets called back for holding on both plays. I'm pretty, I think Thaddeus Moss is a thing for Kim K., and he didn't want uh, Chris Evans to kind of take the spotlight there. But with with Moss, he definitely has a chance now because Mitchell Wilcox, unfortunately, I think is in like a walking boot. He was hurt pretty early in the game, so Moss is next on the depth chart to at least show that he can do the same things as Mitchell Wilcox because Wilcox made the team last year primarily for special teams. So obviously Moss needs to show value there, but also Moss didn't do a ton of blocking. I don't want to th- I don't want to say at LSU; it was mainly just a receiving option. When you're the third tight end, you got to block, and you got to show that you at least know, you know when to let go and, and be cognizant of you know how these referees call holding. And it didn't seem like Poss was, was too keen on uh, kind of letting go at the right moment, so that, that might have just been an experience there. But I want to go back to Volson j- j- just real quick because obviously, like you said, he was going up against guys deeper in the Cardinals' depth chart. But I, I do think it's worth noting that coming from North Dakota State, playing a bunch of F- FCS teams. That's still I think the most talented defensive line that Portal Wilson yep. has ever played against. I think I think that's worth something. And when you talk about surrounding potentially surrounding him with Jonah Williams, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Lil Collins, obviously he's the lesser of those five, but they just need a guy that doesn't do the things that Jackson Carmen did and completely screw up the, the integrity of the offensive line. And I think from a mental standpoint it's clicking for him pretty quickly. He's picking up stunts. He's he's playing with good leverage being even six, seven, like his hands are mostly in the right spots. And he just knows kind of where to be. He, he maintains good depth and pass protection. I think we still need to see him more on some of these zone blocking schemes, him moving in space and kind of playing with that strength, but just knowing what to do and just, you know, kind of being on point mentally, he already looks ahead of Carmen in that sense. And if the physicality part of it playing against some of these these fantastic athletes on the defensive line that might take a little bit more, but he's at least making that first step that your worst offensive lineman at the bare minimum should have. And he, he, at least has that I think.
1: Yeah. And then we, I mean, it's the cliche we hate to use and we've used it with him as opposed to Carmen, but it's the, the higher floor, maybe lower ceiling thing, right? That the highs aren't as high, the lows definitely aren't as low, at least from what we've seen so far. And maybe that's what that's what wins you the job, if you're Cordell Volson. I don't know. But uh, obviously, prior, uh nice nice night from him. A couple of great catches from him. Uh, you know, the for the most part, the wide receiver group seems to be sorted out. But he is making a case to latch on there at the end, um, along with a lot of other players. Is it going to take two games, three games? consistent performances throughout the preseason for him to do that or is he just kind of pushing a boulder uphill here and you think that the Bengals kind of have their mind made up a little bit i mean they 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 got rid of puka williams wide receiver running back kick returner guy so that never worked out that was pretty fast uh here he was on first cuts here so i don't know uh you you have a feeling about prior they've given undrafted guys in the past Shots at the roster and or even higher, you know, Damian Willis for Zach's first year uh, out of necessity. He got it. He got in there after a really good training camp and preseason.
2: Yeah, thankfully, Kendrick Pryor is not starting week one because there's no A.J. Green injury uh to deal with. So he's not going to have the Damian Willis type uprising up the depth chart. It might just come down to a numbers game, though, because it, it, it did seem like six was like a good number to keep considering the strength of the top three and the fact that they're rarely ever going to get subbed out. So with prior, you're looking at, okay, is, the, is he going to be the sixth guy or are they going to, are they going to keep seven just because of him? And I, I do think it will take more than just one preseason game and specifically one drive with Drew Plitt at quarterback to, for him to make the team. But the, the dynamic here is interesting because you had Trent Taylor also having like the second best, the clear second best mm-hmm. game as a receiver, and he's still not screwing up as a pump returner. So that kind of puts Kwame Lasseter kind of, towards trending downwards i guess because of the ascension of prior and the fact that lassiter is mainly competing with trent taylor for roster spot, roster spot just because of the, the power return to sure. duties so unless lassiter really you know explodes in that role if taylor's still looking good and serviceable at the very very least as a receiver then it does seem like taylor is going to stay here and the fact that mike thomas didn't even play at all i think that speaks to what they feel about him and i I think a lot of fans may may disagree with that that thomas is kind of locked in to that wide receiver four role or just the fact that he's locked in with a roster spot because he didn't play like i feel like that kind of means something and stanley morgan's still here under a two-year contract and they love his special teams value so it does seem like the top six with taylor morgan and thomas being like the back three it seems like that's kind of in in place right now and unless taylor completely screws up as a harbor returner, then I I don't I don't see room to keep prior if they go six, then they would just probably have to go seven there.
1: Good problem to have. Uh, as after some questions down at the bottom of the depth chart, there. Good problem to have for sure.
2: Support for this podcast comes from SmartWater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? SmartWater alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, SmartWater alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.
1: But let's transition now into this week. You, we heard Salman Wilcox earlier this episode talk about how it's probably going to be a little bit of a carbon copy type of game with goals and players that we'll watch and all of that. Again, it's going to be a lot of let's watch Jackson, Carmen, Cordell, Volson. Let's watch who steps up potentially at the tight end group. Maybe a little bit of, you know, are are there some intriguing running backs and and what do the wide receivers do? A A lot of similar questions. What do the backup quarterbacks do? But, you know, it was a rough night for, you know, some of the usual suspects on the offensive line and guys that have started games. For the Cincinnati Bengals over the past couple of years, and you've seen, you know, Prince and Adenogy and Carmen, and I just think that this week is another big week there because the Bengals really need to figure out as we go to the Giants here this week, If it's if it's a trend, again, they may need to go to the waiver wire, the free agent, well, whatever's left there. To find additional depth and capable depth. Um, I mean, now if we're talking spot starts here and there, okay, I guess you know you, you're going to ride with it. But I, I think we know based on what we've seen in important games from these guys, what we've seen in divisional games from some of these guys, we, we kind of know. Except with with the exception of Carmen, obviously. But we're talking to Dennegy and Prince and others that have now been around and started a decent amount of games. Yeah, they're still on the younger side, but again, it's this concept, John, of showing development, showing growth, and it just kind of seems that there's a lot of treading water there in terms of performance.
2: And at some point, I think you just kind of have to accept that some of these players just are who they are. Like, by, by year four, I feel like we all knew who, like, Russell voting was. By year four, we kind of knew who Billy Price was. Now, identity and Prince, like, they were sixth and fifth-round picks, respectively. So the, the, the idea of them ever turning into – you know, serviceable starters was a little bit far-fetched just because of who they were kind of coming out of college. With Adenogy, yeah, I mean, he's en- he's entering year three and, like, he's he's athletic, but it doesn't always show on, on the field. You can just see, like, in, in his past sets, it- it's just very crushed. Like, he doesn't seem to trust his foot speed, and that brings him to issues on the edge. Like, for me personally, I always thought that he had the build and the athleticism more of a tackle compared to a guard. He just looked completely out of place at tackle. Like, he, it, Carmen was lucky that identity was on the field because I think identity had an overall worse game than Carmen, but everyone's looking at Carmen because they had higher expectations for him. I don't think Prince is at that level of ineptitude, but he's still like a backup and a, a swing backup at best. I right. think it would, be, it would be interesting to see potentially Deontay Smith returning. I think he returned to practice as of today, Wednesday, when we're recording this and the game isn't until Sunday. So he has like an extra day compared to last week to get more practices and we'll see if he ends up playing, maybe I'll I'll be on on like a limited basis, but Smith returning to the tackle rotation, I think will allow Denergy to go back to guard where he's at least had more experience with um, the Bengals, at least in his time in the NFL. So maybe that will help him look a little bit more at place against the giants. But yeah, man, some of these guys just kind of are who they are. And when, when you talk about like looking for exterior help, it did kind of seem like they were really banking on Jackson Carmen, like looking like a better version of himself, because yep. if if they had the idea of Carmen and Volson battling out and the winner, you know, kind of wins that job, then they had to have accounted for the fact that Carmen wasn't going to look good. And now you're trusting, even if Volson looks decent, you're trusting a rookie fourth round pick at a North Dakota state to start at offensive line in front of Joe Burrow. That's not necessarily an ideal situation. So, in The back of their mind, like they had to have assumed that that was a possibility, but they have no one else, they, they have no other veteran presence to kind of give them t- a, a fail safe type option. So it, it does seem like to me that this was Carmen winning the job, or they have to look, they have to at least entertain a, a quit in Spain type signing there. Because if you just have Volson there as your only dependent, a dependable guy, it's a very exploitable uh, uh, spot on the offensive line,
1: yeah. Spain tweeted out a photo of Cincinnati. Yeah. (laughs) The night of the preseason game, I believe. So um, that, that was an interesting development there, but uh, we'll see if, if he's on the, on the emergency line there, what else are you looking for this week? What else do you think should be some of the major goals this week? I'm kind of looking a little bit at backup quarterback performance. And yes, I know if there is no Joe Burrow for any kind of extended period of time with this team, it's, it's, you know, torpedo time, but I still um there for for my liking, there are too many dry spells and different I mean there's there's a couple of nice moments and explosive plays again you mentioned Plitt at the end of the game I mean it's just obviously uh, that's kind of a free-for-all there and prior making good good catches and whatnot but uh I mean for me I think a little bit more out of the backup quarterbacks as it goes with consistency and everything we know about the patchwork offensive line and different guys in front of them but still, um I'm kind of looking there personally I don't know about you
2: yeah so I think Brandon Allen is still in the concussion protocol I want to say I don't know if he's if he's practicing he's not practicing a ton I think Zach Taylor said that like he wasn't too concerned about his availability for the 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 Giants game but in the case that he doesn't play then yeah it's Jake Browning that's going to start and you know I think he I thought he looked okay against the Mm -hmm. Cardinals I think he looked Mm -hmm. Maybe a little bit better than a guy who hasn't really played football in a while, and then Drew Plitt Obviously, got his chance, and what a great moment that was for a Cincinnati kid to go six for six and lead a 94-yard touchdown drive and make two incredible throws to Kendrick Pryor. So it, mm-hmm. it's good to see him, you know, still living the dream in the NFL, even if that's the if that's the the, the peak of the dream, if you will. I, I'm looking also on, on defense. I, I think the rotation at defensive line was very telling uh, this past week. They only played Joseph Asai. For four snaps, just because it was his first game back, uh, coming off of the injury. So I'm I'm expecting to see him on the field a little bit more. I don't think they're going to overwork him by any means in this preseason, but maybe he'll play more than just a single drive. You had Zach Carter playing like sixty something snaps. You have Jeff Gunter, I think, playing fifty, and both those guys look really well. Solomon Wilcox is clearly a fan of Zach Carter, but I re- I was really intrigued by the way that they used Gunter and they had him stunting inside using that you know straight line speed and that power that he clearly has he's not really much of a guy who can bend around the edge he's not von miller out there he's more of just a run into you bull rush type of type of player and when when they can can scheme pass rushing lanes for him to utilize that that explosion i think that really works well for him so i was really impressed with the way that the coaches utilize his strengths so i would imagine he stays on the field for that same amount of time and then you had um you had sample play like 16 snaps um unfortunately white Hubert. Is no longer in the equation. He retired this week um, just because of, of injuries. And that leads to Gunter definitely being in the conversation yep. now going forward to make the final roster because you still have guys like Khalid Kareem and Cam Sample there at, at defensive end. But if Gunter continues to stay on the field and show progress, it's going to be extremely tough to keep him off the roster.
1: That's where I was going next. Yeah, I mean, you know, Hubert unfortunately just felt like his body wasn't holding up the way that he wanted it to or should. So, yeah, that opens the door potentially there. And then on defense as well. Um no, uh, you, you saw him at the intro video, Cam Taylor Britt, uh, who we talked to a few weeks ago. He's dealing with a core injury, and so now no Jesse Bates, presumably no Cam Taylor Britt for a little while here. So, um you know, again, what the Bengals do at the defensive backfield with You know Dax Hill, Tyson Anderson, and a a, a group of a lot of backups that they'll likely be playing here and/or rotational guys. I'm really curious to see how that happens and how Dax Hill continues. He had a very active game, did a lot of nice things uh, last week as well. So I'm really curious to see how he responds week after week. If he can kind of keep that momentum going, that would be nice to see. And then what the Bengals do in the in the absence of you know again Bates. I know Hill's kind of that swing guy. Uh Taylor Britt and and others, you know, they're going to need to, again, kind of show some depth and show that some of these young guys belong on this roster and can play.
2: Yeah, so you had Alan George, uh, an undrafted rookie, I think, start the game and play basically the entire game. And he was very up and down. I saw him be a little flat footed on some of those routes that he probably should have been more reactionary to. Would you still have guys like Delonte Hood uh, backing up uh, Trey Flowers, who also started and only played like 10 snaps? Trey Flowers definitely got lucky there because he was probably more responsible for the touchdown uh, on, uh, I believe it was the first Cardinals drive that uh, Dax Hill, I, I think, accepted the blame for, at least from, from like a broadcast perspective. People on Twitter were calling him out for being a little bit late, but it was, I think it was more on Trey Flowers. But ever since then, after that play, you're right, Dax Hill was involved in a, in a lot of positive plays. He almost had an interception. He was seen doing some extra work at the jugs machine to make sure that doesn't happen. It's always nice that those things kind of happen in the preseason when they don't matter. But then I was really impressed with it, with the way that he broke on the ball later in the game and broke up a pass in the middle of the field. Just the way that he's kind of adapted towards – or readapted, I should say, towards playing a deep safety role. You know, he he was mainly in that alignment, in that position, but you saw him in the slot. You saw him matched up with slot receivers, with tight ends. I think he followed a tight end out to the boundary. So he was all over the field, and that was really – uh, intriguing to see too because they, he has the versatility he played multiple spots in michigan and they don't seem to be shy about using him all over the field now
1: that's what you want out of the out of the guy and then hopefully you know he, he get all hands on deck with jesse bates back for the regular season and taylor brett heals up and then you know you've kind of got the the full crew there which in the the grand design that is in the mind's eye of lou anarumo comes to fruition there anything else about this game, any other players? Let's let's talk about a couple. I mean, we we know Volson and Carmen, right? You talked yeah. about some position groups. Anybody else besides Gunter and others that you may be keeping a real close eye on this week? Um, you know, I, I backup running backs, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, any others that you're looking at that we should close with?
2: Well, if you blinked on Friday, you probably missed Tyler Shelvin. He was out there for a grand total yeah. of one snap. I was, yeah, I was just I, saying say, maybe two. I thought it was one, but maybe two, yeah. Well, what's what's the deal, man? Like, he's he's presumably the, the backup of, of Tupo. He's had, like, a, I guess from a projection standpoint, like, he was supposedly one of those 10 defensive linemen to make the roster. He's only on the field for one snap. I don't think they were they were saving him from, oh, like, we don't need him in the preseason. Like, he hasn't shown anything and in two years now with the Bengals. Why is he only on the field for a play? He's not, like, an undrafted rookie. This year is a fourth-round pick. Last year, I, I don't know what that sort of deal is. Maybe uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, if he's not showing enough in practice to earn those reps, I think that's a little concerning. But like, these are the scenarios where you want to see right. if these guys have developed at all. And for a guy to only play one snap in the first preseason game and him not being an ingrained starter, I think that's a little alarming. But this is what the preseason is all about. I, I think it's great that just in football in general, you have only so many chances for these guys to play and compared to baseball and basketball it's a very limited sample size and basketball and baseball have their training camps and their preseasons, but with football it's only three games now and that's that just amplifies the importance of these games for guys like Tyler Shelburne for guys like Kendrick Pryor for anyone who's on the on the fringe of making the roster it makes it more impactful and that's why you, you get so emotional watching like a Kendrick Pryor touchdown from Drew Plitt. Drew Plitt is probably never going to do Anything in the NFL, it's why it makes these these things special. But it's also why it's important for guys like Tyler Sheldon to get on the field. And if he's on the field, that's definitely a concern.
1: That's a really good one. I I was kind of racking my brain a little bit because we have talked about a number of guys, uh, and I'm like, who else could we talk about? That's a that's a really good one. And a guy that I really I really liked the pick when they made it. I knew he was going to be a limited player. I knew he was going to be you know, a, a one to two down guy, but I just felt in the division and what you need to do. I felt like he would be a valuable piece to the defense as a rotational player. So yeah, I don't, when I saw the snap count, I was like, why was there something that happened there? And injury wise, was there something, you know, and it's not, doesn't appear to be that. It just appears to be that they just played him first snap, And that was that. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I'm, I am too curious about, what he will do in these next two games here. And I think he's one of those guys that we all assumed was safe and he's got to show a little bit more to your point. I, like you said, I I think he's got to show a little bit more to this staff. Well, the Bengals take on the giants on Sunday night. We'll be back to break that down along with a lot of other stuff that we've got coming at you this week on the orange and black insider. We're going to do, we, we waited for a variety of reasons. We waited. We're going to do happening headlines on Friday. We're going to do that one then so we'll get we'll get you there and we've got obviously we had a special show tonight and then next week john we have mr sam hubbard joining us we thought he was going to join yeah. us this week um but he he had a scheduling thing so we're going to be joined by him next week kind of a yearly tradition as we said last last week with this uh he seems to join us every time this time of year which is which is pretty cool but looking forward to catch it catching up with him and a little bit of a different conversation spin this time in terms of hey how did we how do we get back here instead of what do you need to do to get there
2: yeah um we've talked to him after his second year after his third year and now he's representing i believe a different organization in the process well he's he's all over Cincinnati man like like it, it's nice to see a guy from Cincinnati who's grown up here who wants to stay here it's it's nice to see him you know kind of spotlighted with, with some of these organizations And we're definitely excited to talk with them again
1: well all right, we are excited, so we'll, we'll have that for you and uh, we'll keep bringing you all kinds of different stuff on this show and on Cincy Jungle. We're going to drop the mic and get out of here. I, I, I just want to say, first of all, thank you to you, John. I know you're on a family vacation. You took time out to be on this show. You didn't need to do that. I feel like such a jerk and I'm sure the Sheerans are like, Anthony let us have john on vacation please so all oh, uh, sick
2: of me by now <laughs>
1: well i i am grateful that you that you took time seriously that's that's cool that you did that on a family vacation it, it means a lot to me i know our it means a lot to our listeners so sorry to peel you away from your family but i appreciate it in the in the vein of uh family i just want to say my dad's got a little surgery a procedure uh this week and so i just want to make sure it goes well so if everybody can give him a little bit of positive juju, positive vibes to make sure that that all goes well. It's a, it's a neck procedure. So those are always a little bit, uh, scary. So, uh, props to props to my pops for going through that. And hopefully it, it all goes as, as planned and a speedy recovery there. And then John, for my day job, I was at, as you know, uh, our listeners know I was in Chicago last week and that's where I was doing the show from the hotel room. And I actually, the first, first night after that show, I went down, uh, we, we went to, I went to a game at Wrigley Field, saw the Cubs for like the last half of the game. Then I did the show and then I went down and had dinner at the, the lobby bar there. And this guy who was there for the same conference I was sat next to me. Where do you think he was from?
2: Where do I think he was from? He was from Cincinnati, right? He was from Cincinnati.
1: That is yeah. exactly right. And we were talking, <laughs> we talked throughout the the course of a couple of days uh, he knows about Cincy Jungle and everything, and he left the conference on Friday afternoon to go to the Bengals preseason game. So of all of 200-plus of attendees at this conference that I was at, I happened to sit at the bar right next to a guy named Andrew who was a Bengals fan from Cincinnati and went to the preseason game against the
2: Cardinals. So what are the chances? What are the odds? Pretty cool. Pretty cool, man. Um, we went to... In Hildenhead, we went to a a restaurant and our server kind of like asked where we were from because we told him we're on vacation. We said, well, we're from Cincinnati. You know, it's the most southern part of Ohio. And he's like, no, Hildenhead is the most southern part of Ohio because of how many people from Ohio come down. No way. No, it's 100 percent true. Um, Wow. First, the first minute that was on the beach here, I, I I had a Bengal towel that I've had for, I think, 15 years. I should probably get rid of it at this point. It's a little bit disgusting, but I had it. And someone saw behind me and said, who day?" And I saw them and they had like like a Bengals fan in the town. Like, okay, right off the bat, we got a Bengals fan. But I, I I would wager to say at least 20% of the people down here on vacation are from uh, my home state. So it's good to see some friendly faces, but definitely can't wait to be home. I'm a little homesick. This is the furthest I've been from Cincinnati since COVID began. And I am can't wait to get back in the, the, the familiar territory, I should say.
1: Well, have a great rest of your trip. And uh, sorry, again, to peel you away from your family, but I, I appreciate it. I know our listeners do. And once again, you can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all uh, along the, with the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. You can get our show, Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Matt Minick, as well as Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends. We let them, for those who are expecting our live show, we let Jim, who had an unexpected uh, but very special show we let them have the live platforms through Cincy Jungle because we would have been crossing over there. And you would have had tough decisions in terms of who to watch and all kinds of stuff. We had a great guest of our own in Solomon Wilcots. And we can't thank the Believe Network enough for having uh, him on. You got to go check out the Believe and Bangles podcast with him and Pac-Man Jones as well as this guy over here and d also on the Believe Network. You got to go check them out too. But uh, you can catch Pac-Man and you can catch Solomon on Bally Sports Ohio, their show, a couple days a week. So go do that and download their show where you can. John, thank you. Uh, have a great trip. Have a safe trip back, my friend. And we will, we'll talk soon. We've got a lot to talk about in terms of preseason, training camp, all that good stuff. Talk to you next
2: week at Cincinnati.
0: All right.